Diaries of James Boswell, but it's not them reading it. Oh no, it's not. It's James, you're reading them for some bonus content, and he's gonna, gonna read them. Yes, he is. Oh, hello, and welcome to the first ever bonus edition of Dot 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 Reads the Diaries of James York. In these bonus editions, uh, they're gonna come out once a month monthly just like the main editions but they're going to consist of me reading the diaries of a notable person from history rather than somebody else reading my diaries um so you'll get to hear my lovely voice for an episode um lucky you and um oh before i get on to who i'm reading about this month i want to just say if you write a diary or would like to write a diary and want it read out in this podcast please um submit it to me i'd, I'd be more than happy to do that um it would be good to publicize write, writing diaries as much as possible because i think it's uh, such a therapeutic thing to do and it's great to do just do a bit of writing every day anyway the person who i'm going to be talking about today is james boswell a scottish writer he was around in the 18th century. He is most notable for writing Samuel Johnson's biography, which is often uh, described as the best biography ever written. And he was good friends with Samuel Johnson and saw Samuel Johnson as his father figure. The journal or diary I will be reading from today is his London journal. He, he travelled to, to London for a year. Um, and this is 1762 to 1763. This is actually the year that he met Samuel Johnson as well, which uh, I will get back to later on in this episode. Now, I've started with this diary because it is quite a controversial diary. It's uh, He is a controversial figure, James Boswell. There's no getting around that. I mean, there's not even a statue of him in, in Scotland or Edinburgh or anything because he, he lived such a life of uh, debauchery. He kind of disgraced his reputation a bit, I think, and... Uh, You'll see when I start reading from the diary how uh, his lifestyle was frowned upon. It's also quite surprising how open he is in this diary. I mean, he just writes about all his inner thoughts and all everything that he gets up to, which uh, most people wouldn't write in their diaries, especially if they went on to publish it or publish their writings. Um, I'm going to read three days of entries in this episode and... The first two, uh, the first one's all about sex and prostitutes, and the second one's all about about him confronting a girl that he's been sleeping with, um, who he suspects has given him gonorrhea. So um, you can see how open he is in his diaries, and uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to hearing those entries now that I've um, previewed it a bit. I just want to talk a bit more about his context before I read the first entry. Um, I want to say that he didn't really have a job. He wanted to become a monk. He had a breakdown at university. He suffered from depression and all that. And he decided that it would be easier just to become a monk. Um, and his father was not happy with that. His father was Lord Auchinleck, who uh, was a very wealthy man back in the day. So his father forced him into... Um, signing away his inheritance for a yearly wage, which was a hundred pounds, and I think it was 
before this trip, he agreed for Boswell to go to London and gave him a raise of £200 a year um, to live on. So he didn't really have a job. He just had a wage from his father and he wrote and uh, travelled and wrote about his travelling and uh, that's how he created a name for himself. He was very famous back in the day as well, especially with his uh, friendship with Johnson. I became more aware of uh, James Boswell recently because I watched a documentary on Sky Arts with Frank Skinner and Denise Mira um, where they recreated a road trip or a um, it would have been a horse trip back then, a horse cart trip back then. But uh, I suppose it is a road trip, isn't it? Horse and carts do go on roads mostly, so it was a road trip. Anyway, they did, it was Johnson and Boswell. They did a um, a tour of Scotland, and it was this documentary was Skinner and I think it's Myra, 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 doing a tour of Scotland, and it was very interesting. So if you have Sky Arts, I'd recommend checking it out. But that. That tour was um, in 1773, which was uh, 10 years after this uh, diary was written, the London Journal. It is very surprising that he wanted to be a monk when he was at university because he did live such a life of debauchery. So it is really surprising to me that. Anyway, let's crack on with it. The first entry that I'm going to read is from the 14th of December, 1762. I was contemplating just reading the diary from the start, but... The first few, um, the first week of diaries is just him traveling down to London from Edinburgh, which obviously took a long time back in the day. It took about ten or eleven days. So, I I wanted to give you a proper, some proper examples of of his writing. So I thought I'd choose some highlights from it. And the first entry I'm going to read is the 14th of December, 1762. So here it is. It is very curious to think that I have now been in London several weeks without ever enjoying the delightful sex. Although I am surrounded with numbers of free-hearted ladies of all kinds, from the splendid madam at fifty guineas a night, down to the civil nymph with white thread stockings who tramps along the strand and will resign her engaging person to your honour for a pint of wine and a shilling. He's basically just talking about all the different prostitutes that he's come across in London there. I just want to quickly apologise for uh, my reading at times. So I haven't read aloud since I was at school, so I'm sorry if my pronunciation or flow is off at times. I promise that I will uh, improve over the next few months. Anyway, back to it. I just clicked while I was talking them, which I probably shouldn't do. But anyway... Manifold are the reasons for this, my present wonderful continence. I am upon a plan of economy. That's true. Um, at the start of this diary, he uh, lists how he's going to live off his wages. So he lists how how expensive candles are and how much he's going to spend on them and uh, paper and pens and ink. And So he, he does have a plan of his financing at the time. Anyway, back to it. I am upon a plan of economy and therefore cannot be at the expense uh, ex at the expense of first-rate dames i have suffered severely from the loath loathsome distemper which is gonorrhea or uh, stds and therefore shudder at the thoughts of running any risk of having it again besides the surgeon's fees in the city come very high 
But the greatest reason of all is that fortune, or rather benignant Venus, has smiled upon me and favoured me so far that I have had the most delicious intrigues with women of beauty, sentiment and spirit, perfectly suited to my romantic genius. <laughs> he's got quite a big head, hasn't he? He's uh, basically saying there that he's a romantic genius and he, he would never lower himself to sleeping with any random woman it would have to be uh, a woman of beauty sentiment and spirit so um i just want to say he does say some quite uh, distasteful things about, especially about women in this section so uh i hope you don't get offended and if you do get offended blame james boswell not me um but i think it's just interesting re reading the works of some of these uh figures from the 1700s and how different their lives were back then um i mean gonorrhea was such a such a common thing uh anyway i'll read on indeed in my mind there cannot be a higher felicity on earth enjoyed by man more than the participation of genuine reciprocal amorous affection with an amiable woman there he has a full indulgence of all the delicate feelings and pleasures both of mind and body while at the same time in this enchanting union he exults with a con consciousness that he is the superior person. The dignity of his sex is kept up. These paradisial scenes of gallantry have exalted my ideas and refined my taste, so that I really cannot think of stooping so far as to make a most intimate companion of a grovelling-minded, ill-bred, worthless creature, nor can my delicacy be pleased with the gross voluptuousness of the stews. I am therefore walking about with a healthful, stout body and a cheerful mind, in search of a woman worthy of my love, and who thinks me worthy of hers, without any interesting views, which is the only sure way to find out if a woman really loves a man. If I should be a single man for the whole winter, I will be satisfied. I have had as much elegant pleasure as I could have expected would come to my share in many years. That's that paragraph. So, uh, yeah, he's basically just... Uh, yeah, he, he, won't, he won't share his... Uh, love with any groveling minded ill-bred worthless creature so worthless creature <laughs> uh, quite controversial as you can see um right this is the last paragraph of this uh day so now he's he, he starts talking about a woman that he's kind of he kind of knows about However, I hope to be more successful. In this view, I have now called several times for a handsome actress of Covent Garden Theatre, whom I was a little acquainted with, and whom I shall distinguish in this my journal by the name of Louisa. This lady had been indisposed and saw no company, but today I was admitted. She was in a pleasing undress and looked very pretty. She received me with great politeness. We chatted on common topics. We were not easy. There was a constraint upon us. We did not sit right in our chairs and we were unwilling to look at one another. I talked to her on the advantage of having an agreeable acquaintance and hoped I might see her now and again. She had desired me to call in whenever I came that way. 
without ceremony. And pray, said she, when shall I have the pleasure of your company at tea? I fixed Thursday and left her very well satisfied with my first visit. So there we have it. Um, uh, that's that's the 14th of December. As you can see, he's he's not scared of expressing his views in one iota. One iota. So um, we'll move on to uh, the 20th of January. And this is when he... 20th of January, the, the year's changed now. 1763. And this is when he confronts Louisa, who he believes has given him gonorrhea. So here we go. I rose very disconsolate, having rested very ill by the poisonous infection raging in my veins and anxiety and vexation boiling in my breast. I could scarcely credit my own senses. What, thought I, can this beautiful, this sensible, this agreeable woman be so sadly defiled? Can corruption lodge beneath so fair a form? Can she who professed delicacy of sentiment and sincere regard for me use me so very basely and so very cruelly? No, it is impossible. I have just got a gleat by irritation the parts too much with excessive uh, venery. So um, I googled this and uh, I've just got a gleat. A gleat is... Um, discharge from the, from the penis so uh, he's he's talking about discharge there and uh, excessive venery is um, excessive sex basically so um, very he's just he just talks about it all doesn't he so uh, I'll continue and yet these damned twinges that scalding heat and that deep tinge loathsome manner are the strongest proofs of an infection but she certainly must think that I would soon discover her falsehood, but perhaps she was ignorant of her being ill. A pretty conjecture indeed. No, she could not be ignorant. Yes, yes, she intended to make the most of me, and now I recollect that the day we went to Hayward's she showed me a bill of thirty shillings, about which she was in some uneasiness, and no doubt expected that I would pay it. But I was too cautious, and she had not effrontery enough to try my generosity in direct terms so soon after my letting of uh, her have two guineas. And am I then taken in? Am I, who have had safe and elegant intrigues with fine women, become the dupe of a strumpet? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> dupe of a strumpet. Anyway. Am I now to be laid up for many weeks, to suffer extreme pain and full confinement, and to be debarred of all the comforts and pleasures of life? And then must I have the, my poor pocket drained by the unavoidable expense of it all? And shall I no more, for a long time at least, take my walk healthful and spirited round the park before breakfast, view the brilliant guards on the parade and enjoy all my pleasing amusements? And then, am I prevented from making love to Lady Marybell or any other woman of fashion? Oh dear, oh dear, what a cursed thing this is. What a miserable creature I am. So he's basically blaming everything on Louisa. He's uh, saying that I've had to pay for all her expenses and now she's given me gonorrhea. Um, and now I won't be able to go out for walks or, and I'll have to pay for my treatment and I won't be able to sleep with anybody else, which he, he was doing. So, 
Anyway, I'll continue. In this woeful manner did I melancholy ruminate. I thought of applying to a quack who would cure me quickly and cheaply, but then the horrors of being imperfectly cured and having the distemper thrown into my blood terrified me exceedingly. I therefore pursued my resolution of last night to go to my friend Douglas, whom I knew to be skilful and careful, and although it should cost me more, yet to get sound health was a matter of great importance, and I might save upon other articles. I accordingly went and breakfast with him. After breakfast, Mrs. Douglas withdrew, and I opened my sad case to Douglas, who, upon examining the parts declared I had got an evident infection and that the woman who gave it me could not but know of it. I joked with my friend about the expense, asked him if he would take a draught on my arrears and bid him visit me seldom that I might have the less to pay. To these jokes he seemed to give a little heed but talked seriously in a way of his business. And here let me make a just and true observation, which is that the same man as a friend and as a surgeon exhibits two very opposite characters. Douglas as a friend is most kind, most anxious for my interest, made me live ten days in his house and suggested every plan of economy, but Douglas as a surgeon will be ready to keep me long under his hands and as delirious to lay hold of my money as any man. In short, his views alter quite. I have to do not with him but his profession. As Lady Northumberland was to have a great rout the next day, I delayed beginning my course of medicine till Friday night, enraged at the perfidi perfidy, perfidy, um, deceitfulness of Louisa. I resolved to go and upbraid, scold her most severely, but this, I thought, was not acting with dignity enough, so I would talk to her coolly and make her feel her own unworthiness. But hearing the Duke of Queensbury was in town, I thought I would go and have one more brush with him and hear what he had to say. I then went to Louisa, with excellent address did I carry on this interview, as the following scene I trust will make appear. So now he has a script of their conversation when they... He confronts her. So here we go. Louisa starts by saying, My dear sir, I hope you are well today. Boswell replies by saying, Excessively well, I thank you. I hope I find you so. Louisa, Not really, sir. I am distressed with a thousand things. Cutting Jade her circumstances. That's in brackets. I really don't know what to do. Boswell says, Do you know that I have been very unhappy since I saw you? Louisa, how so, sir? Boswell, why, I am afraid you don't love me so well, nor have not such a regard for me as I thought you had. Louisa says, nay, dear sir, seemingly unconcerned in brackets. Boswell, pray, madam, have I no reason? Louisa, no, indeed, sir, you have not. Boswell, have I no reason, madam? Pray think. Louisa. Sir. Boswell. Pray, madam, in what state of health have you been in for some time? Louisa. Sir, you amaze me. Boswell. I have but too strong, too plain reason to doubt of your regard. I have for some days observed the symptoms of disease. 
but was unwilling to believe you so very ungenerous. But now, madam, I am thoroughly convinced. Louisa says, Sir, you have terrified me. I protest I know nothing of the matter. Boswell responds, Madam, I have no connection with any woman but you these two months. I was with my surgeon this morning who declared I had a strong infection and that she from whom I had could not be ignorant of it. Madam, such a thing in this case is worse than from a woman of the town, as from her you may expect it. You have used me very ill. I did not deserve it. You know you said where there was no confidence, there was no breach of trust, but surely I place some confidence in you. I am sorry that I was mistaken. Louisa responds by saying, Sir, I will confess to you that about three years ago I was very bad, but for these fifteen months I have been quite well. I appeal to God Almighty that I am speaking true, and for these six months I have had to do with no man but yourself. Boswell but by God, madam, I have been with none but you, and I am here very bad. Louisa. Well, sir, by the same solemn oath, I protest that I was ignorant of it. Boswell. Madame, I wish very much to believe you, but I owe I cannot upon this occasion believe a miracle. Louisa. Sir, I cannot say more to you. But you will leave me in the greatest misery. I shall lose your esteem. I shall be hurt in the opinion of everybody and in my circumstances. Boswell says to himself, What the devil does the confounded jilt mean by being hurt in her circumstances? This is the grossest cunning, but I will not take notice of that at all. Madam, I think he's talking to Louise again now. Madam, as to the opinion of everybody... You need not be afraid. I was going to joke and say that I I never boast of a lady's favours, but I'll, I give you my word of honour that you shall not be discovered. Louisa says, Sir, this is being more generous than I could expect. Boswell, I hope, madam, you will owe me that since I have been with you, I have always behaved like a man of honour. Louisa says, You have indeed, sir. And Boswell finishes the conversation by saying, Madam, your most obedient servant. So um, Boswell agrees that he's not going to uh, tell anybody about her giving him gonorrhea. He says he would expect it from sleeping with a prostitute, but with you, I can't believe you give, gave me gonorrhea. Um, but then he writes about it in his diary. So <laughs> he has told the world about it. But... He, uh, I don't think Louisa was her real name, so I, I guess we can forgive him there. I, I just wanted uh, that that's the twentieth uh, of January. Twentieth of January does go on for a bit, but I thought I'd stop there because I want to fit in one more um, day before the end of this episode. I just want to say another quick thing about this diary, which is quite interesting. In his first paragraph of every day or most days, he writes in um, he writes his plan for the day. So what he plans to do for the day. And then the rest of the day is about what he actually ends up doing. So it's quite interesting reading about his uh, intentions and whether he follows through with them. Anyway, we're going to jump now to the 16th of May. And this is uh, notable for a completely different reason. It's um, the day that he met Samuel Johnson, which uh, 
he is now famous for being friends with basically so i thought i'd read you this um you have to remember that it, scotland and england had only been unified for not that long at this point in history so there was still animosity between the scottish and the english and samuel johnson wasn't a big fan of the scottish people it seemed um so uh here we go this is the 16th of may 1763 temple and his brother breakfast with me i went to love's to try and recover some of the money which he owes me but alas a single guinea was all i could get he was just going to dinner so i stayed and eat a bit though i was angry at myself afterwards i drank tea at davis's in russell street and about seven came in the great mr samuel johnson whom i have so long wished to see mr davies introduced me to him as i knew of his mortal antipathy at the scotch i cried to davis don't tell where i come from however he said from scotland i said indeed i come from scotland but i cannot help it sir he replied that i find is what a very great many of your countrymen cannot help mr johnson is a man of most dreadful appearance he is a very big man is troubled with sore eyes the palsy and the king's evil he is very slovenly in his dress and speaks with a most uncouth voice. Yet his great knowledge and strength of expression command vast respect and render him a very excellent company. He has great humour and is a worthy man, but his dogmatic roughness of manners is disagreeable. I'm going to stop it there, I think. I think uh, I don't want to read too much of this because um, I am wary that I'm at the 25-minute mark now of this episode and it's only supposed to be a bonus episode but i i have got a bit carried away with james boswell it it is a very interesting read if you have time and you like reading literature from the 1700s i would very much recommend it i haven't read it all the way through yet but i've just read uh, bits of it and it's it's very interesting he lives a, a a very interesting lifestyle so and he has very interesting views you probably oppose the views now but th they were probably quite common and relatable back in the day so anyway i'm going to stop it there i hope you've found this interesting i, I am going to do this as a bonus edition once a month i know it's very different to the main episodes as in the main episodes of my diaries which are very much in tongue-in-cheek and uh, uh, light-hearted and these these episodes will probably contain more heavy reading and uh, lots of facts and information but it's it's good to learn together it's uh, I, i'm learning a lot and i hope you're learning a lot and and it's interesting looking back at history so i hope you enjoyed this and i will see you for the main episode next month i haven't found a reader yet but i'm sure i will and then i will be back with another bonus episode where you can listen to my beautiful voice again i hope you've enjoyed it see you later oh and uh, i'm supposed to say here um subscribe and to the podcast and all that so do that yeah bye those were the diaries the diaries of james boswell but it wasn't them reading them oh no it wasn't 
It was Jim Jory Dillon for some bonus content. And he'll do it again next month. Oh, yes, he will.